Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. About living a kingdom life, and of course we get our the kingdom life from the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Jesus himself taught us to pray in Matthew 6, and when he taught us to pray, he said, pray that your kingdom come, meaning God's kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, you and I today, we have the amazing responsibility, we have the duty, we have the task, we have been empowered to bring forth God's kingdom here in Asheboro, in your house, at your workplace, at your school, even at the gym today at one o'clock. It is my responsibility to bring forth the kingdom of God during a basketball game. Um, and two weeks ago we talked about we do that first step of bringing forth the kingdom is through salvation. Without salvation there is no kingdom. Without forgiveness, without a new nature. Uh, Paul calls it, Paul calls salvation the old dying and the new creature or new creation um, coming. Peter calls it um, taking part partaking, partnering with the Lord in a new divine nature. I call it us becoming less and Jesus becoming more. However you want to describe it, it's salvation. It's being saved from your old life and being imparted, being given by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. A new life, a new heart, a new soul, a new mind. And last week we talked about how who we are, our identity, who God made us um, by giving us a new nature, how that determines our lifestyle. And we do not live for our identity, but we live from our identity. So the fact that God has given us a new nature, He has given us a new heart, because of that we're able to love and forgive and serve and give and worship and live out a Christ-like life. Because of what God has done for us on the inside, we can show it on the outside. Everybody recall that? Wonderful. Today we're going to talk about what a life of worship looks like in the kingdom life. Now I've got to be honest with you, as I was working on these thoughts and studying and, and reading and writing the past uh, week, about Monday or Tuesday, I had like 10 pages of notes ready to go. And then I thought, that is way too long. Ain't nobody want to sit through a 10 page sermon. Right? Thank you, Ed. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to do part of it today and part of it next week. So you get five pages today, five pages next week. Um, there are uh, two ways that uh, in the kingdom life that we worship. Today we're going to talk about way number one. Next week we're going to talk about way number two. Instead of putting them all together, we're going to split them up and we'll get out of here by, I don't know, one fifteen, one thirty. Sound good? Alright, alright, when I talk about worship, let me tell you what worship is. Let me give you the definition, the biblical definition of worship. The definition of worship is simply this. It's whatever your heart is aimed at. Whatever your heart is aimed at. 
whatever, if you were to make a list of the important things in your life, whatever you would put at the top of that list, that is what you worship. That is where your heart is focused. That's where your mind's focused. It's the number one priority in your life. Whatever it is, that is what you worship. Now, if you listen to some people talk, if you listen to some non-believers, if you listen to people who don't believe in God at all, they will tell you they don't worship anything. Nothing. They don't give their allegiance. They don't give their worship. They don't give their heart to absolutely anything. What they fail to realize is they are giving their heart to something. It's just not to the Lord or to the church or to somebody else. They're worshiping themselves because they are the most important thing in their life. So, for you, whatever is the absolute most important thing in your life, that is where your worship is aimed at today. Now, if you don't know what that is, let me give you three questions. Answer these three questions, and you will know what the most important thing in your life is. Number one, what do you spend your time thinking about? Whatever's up here, whatever you think about, whatever consumes your thoughts, consumes your mind, whatever wakes you up in the middle of the night, whatever you go to bed thinking about and wake up thinking about, it's got to be important in your life. Amen? Number two is what you spend your time doing. What you spend your time doing determines what's important to you. How many of you know time is precious? Gosh, the older I get, y'all, the more that makes sense. (laughs) Being little, you would hear old people say, you don't understand how fast time goes. No, you do. You do. Um, The time that I have, the time that I spend doing things, I want to make sure they're spent on things and people that are important to me. I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste a minute. I don't want to waste an hour. I don't want to waste an afternoon. Time is precious. Whatever we spend our time doing shows what's important to us. And number three, what we spend our money on shows what's important. How many of you know money's important? How many of you know money's hard to come by these days? (laughs) Go to the grocery store. You'll find that out pretty quick. Um, Whatever you spend your time thinking about, Whatever you spend your time doing and whatever you spend your money on will show you a pretty clear descriptive of what is important to you. My challenge to you today is all of those things are really important. Time, thoughts, and money is all really important in our life. Let's make sure, let's make sure you and I are spending those three things, our time, our thoughts, and our finances, our money, on things that are the most important on things with value, on things with eternal value, not just present value. And let's make sure we're spending our time, thoughts, and money on things that won't leave us and things that won't be taken from us. Amen? Can we be like really clear and kind of really transparent and honest? Lots of times we put things on the top of our important list, on the top of our worship list, that can be taken from us. We put people on the top of our worship list, on the top of our important list that can leave us. You know what happens when what you worship is taken from you or has left you? All of a sudden, you're left with no purpose. You're left with no reason to live on yourself. 
You're left with no reason to get up in the morning. You're left with no reason to get out of the house. You're left with no reason to wake up, to get ready, and to get moving. If what you were living for, if what you were worshiping, has all of a sudden left you or been taken from you. Does that make sense? So can I challenge you, before we look at the Word here and look at worship, to make sure when we're making out our worship list and we're making out our important list, and we're thinking about our thoughts, our time, and our money. Let's make sure we're spending those things on value, on eternal value, on things that can't leave you, on things that can't be taken from you. Amen? Amen. All right. So we want to talk about worship this morning. There's two ways that we worship in the kingdom life. We're going to talk about number one today. And number one is we worship with our words. We worship with our words. Uh, when I say we worship with our words, we do this in three different ways. Number one, we worship through prayer. Amen? Amen. I told you guys five years ago, over five years ago now, some of you were here, some of you were not, some of you were. We sat right here in this very place, and I told you we will want to be and we will be a church that prays. We want to be and we will be a church that values prayer, that believes in prayer, that trusts God in prayer, and I believe that we have been that for five years. And daggum, we will be for the next five too. Amen. We worship through our prayer. The only reason we would spend time praying, the only reason we would see the necessity of prayer, the only reason that we would value prayer at all is because we believe that we need God's help to intervene in whatever area we are praying for. Right? Why would you spend time thinking about prayer? Why would you spend time saying words that nobody is here listening to? Why would you spend time on your knees praying? Why would you spend time away from something else, spending time in prayer if we didn't need prayer in the first place? If we didn't see or understand the fact that we need God's help, we need God to do something for us that we can't do for on ourselves. we need God to do what only He can do in our life. That, my friends, is a worshipful response. When you understand the necessity of prayer, when you understand the power of prayer, when you understand that we pray because we need God in our life today, that means it's important in our hearts. So that's how prayer turns into worship. Once you understand how much you need it, once you understand that you can't, but He can, all of a sudden our words turns into worship. I remember over the years, not so much in the past couple of months, but I remember over the years, I would come in here on Thursdays and I would spend time praying for you all in here on Thursdays. I have a pretty good memory. I try to remember where everybody sits. I know everybody has their signed seats on Sundays. And I'm all for signed seats. I'm not against. I'm not against it. Unless a new person comes in and they take your seat and then you start thinking bad thoughts. I'm against that. Okay? I'm all for signed seats. I remember days coming in here and walking back here and praying for Nathaniel. I remember I was in this very sanctuary when Daniel called me and said, we're at the hospital. I said, sweet. 
He said, no, let me tell you. He said, We're gonna have, there's going to be some complications. I said, that's okay. Two things. One, let the doctors do what the doctors do. Two, let the Lord do what the Lord does. And I remember standing over here praying for Nathaniel. I remember standing over here praying for baby Luca a couple years ago. I remember praying for Bill and Bill's dad about a year ago. By the way, today's Bill's birthday. I about forgot. I about forgot. Today's Bill's birthday. Everybody say happy birthday, Bill. I remember standing back here and praying for Robert and Nancy many, 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 many times. I remember Robert standing back here praying with me more than once. I remember walking through these sanctuary floors up and down and in and around praying for you all. I remember standing over there praying for my man Chris. Praying for his bad back like my bad back. Praying for his golf swing like my golf swing. I remember praying for Larry more than once, often. Now, I tell you this not to tell you, hey, look at me, I was praying for you. I tell you this to tell you, I can't help you. What you needed, I can't do for you. But I know the Lord can. Amen. When you understand prayer, when you understand that you cannot, but he can, that's when prayer turns into worship. I remember sitting right here in this very seat, praying for you, praying for Deborah, praying for Deborah's family. I remember standing right there praying for you and your mom and dad, not because I can do something to help you, but because I know who can. That's when prayer turns into worship. I remember standing in the back back there praying for Reese and praying for Madeline when you guys were at the hospital. Not because I'm good, not because I'm the best Christian ever, but because I'm not. Because I know that I can't, but I know that he can. That, my friends, is when prayer turns into worship. It's when you understand where you are on the pecking order and where God is on the pecking order. Once we believe and once we understand the power of God Almighty, and once we understand our deficiencies, we can't do what we need to have done in our lives. All of a sudden, we come down on our important list and He moves up. How many of you know today that There's every area in your life needs the touch of the Lord. There's not one area of your life today that you can take care of. I know you're smart. You may have a good education. You have experience. You've been around. I know you're strong. You've been through some stuff. I know your body's in good shape. Some of you may be like me. Your body's not so great anymore. There is not one area of your life where you don't need the power of God in your life. Once you understand that, all of a sudden, prayer is not something that we have to do, but man, oh man, prayer is something that we've got to do. 
We need it. We can't live without it. I can't preach without it. You can't wake up without it. You sure can't be a mom or dad without it. Can't be a husband or wife without it. Without the power of God Almighty in our life today, we would be in bad shape. With that understanding, all of a sudden, our worship list, our important list, God starts to move up. That's how prayer becomes a form of worship. Number two, we worship God with our words through sharing the gospel, through speaking the gospel into the life of people around us. Um, if you believe what I say, the next three sentences, just give me an amen. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Me too. Do you believe that Jesus was born of a virgin girl sent by God the Father? Me too. Do you believe that Jesus Christ lived, died, and resurrected? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is coming back once again to take believers to heaven? Do you believe that the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross paid for your sins and forgives and heals you today? Y'all, that's some good news. That's some good news. Amen. That's better news than the Tar Heels winning yesterday. That's better news than Duke losing yesterday. That's better news than anything you're going to hear on Fox 8 today. That's better news than if you walk out of here and win a million dollars on a scratch-off ticket today. Let's share it. Let's share it. I believe today, if those of you that love snow, if you saw on the news last night it was going to snow today, you would probably tell somebody because that's good news for you. Not for me. Those of you that like 90 degree weather, first of all, you're going to heaven. (laughs) Second of all, I'm with you. Third of all, if it was going to be 90, I would call my daddy and say, Daddy, it's going to be 90 tomorrow. Let's go do something outside. We talk about it because it's good news. Can we do that with the Lord? If we really believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, we would talk about it. Jesus tells us in Matthew twelve thirty four that out of the overflow of the heart speaks the mouth, which means this, whatever we say is here. If the Lord is here, he has to come out here because the, uh, the overflow here comes out here. Can you imagine what your family's life would look like if we spoke life over them? How many of you know words are important? How many of you know... How many of you have experienced being torn down from somebody's words? How many of you have have experienced being lifted up from somebody's words? I believe it would change a kid's life if mom and dad spoke life over them rather than complaints. I believe it would change your job if we would speak life at the job place. Speak life at the store. Speak life at the restaurant instead of focusing on the bad. Instead of talking about what we didn't like. Instead of talking about stuff that doesn't have eternal value. Instead of talking about things that can be taken or leave us. 
can I challenge you today to speak of the Lord's goodness? Paul says in Romans 10, he says, faith comes from hearing. The implication is, if somebody is hearing, somebody's talking. Paul says, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of the Lord. There's nothing that will change your life today like hearing God's word. Now, I hope, I hope, y'all, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope when you leave here in a few minutes, you leave encouraged. I hope you leave feeling better about your relationship with the Lord than you did when you walked in. I hope you leave knowing God better than you did when you walked in. I hope you leave knowing God maybe for the first time because you didn't know Him when you walked in. But that comes from words. There's a saying that gets passed around in the church a lot. Um, The saying is this, the quote is this, always preach the gospel and use words if necessary. You've heard that before? Words are necessary. They are. Can you imagine me and my lovely, gorgeous, talented, smoking hot, baby mama, Can you imagine what our house would look like if I never spoke to Callie, if I never spoke of her, and if I never spoke life and love to her? I don't think there would be much of a relationship, right? Now, some of you may not mind if your spouse didn't talk to you a whole lot. And we have those times too. However, can we all agree that words bring life? From the time we brought Anna Lee home, well, the time Callie brought Anna Lee home, because I was laid out, couldn't move when she was born. When Callie brought her home, I was able to kind of scoot to the edge of the bed. And I remember her laying on the bed, and I kind of had my arm wrapped because she was a day old, two days old. I had my arm there so her head wouldn't kind of fall off. Because apparently that's a big deal for babies. you got to hold their head. I didn't know when TJ was born. had no clue. But I learned. And I remember two-day-old Anna Lee laying right here on the bed, me kind of laying here. TJ was already in the bed. Callie was going to try to wake TJ up. TJ's not real happy when he gets woken up. Whether it's in the morning or in the middle of the night, it doesn't matter. He's not real pleasant when he gets woken up. So Kelly was trying to get him fully awake and to let him know, Anna Lee's here, you want to see her. While she's doing that, which takes about 15 or 20 minutes sometimes, while she's doing that, I'm there laying on the bed with two-day-old baby Anna Lee. And I had the same thoughts that I had when we first brought TJ home. What in the world are we going to do with a baby? How am I going to keep this thing alive? I told you when I first brought TJ home, our number one goal was don't let the dogs eat the baby. And we had a doctor's appointment like two or three days later or something. And I told Kelly, I said, number one goal is to keep him alive and healthy until that first doctor's appointment. And then we'll move, go on from there. But that's number one goal. I remember laying there with Anna Lee. She's laying there. She was asleep. Had her eyes closed. Something I don't know. I remember thinking, what in the world am I going to do with another kid? I'm not too good with one kid. How am I going to take care of two? 
And I remember praying, laying there on the bed. And I told Anna Lee, with my words, I said, Anna Lee, I'm your daddy. It's me. It's daddy. Girl, I love you. I'm going to love you no matter what. For the rest of your life, I'm going to love you. Jesus loves you too. I know you don't understand what I'm saying. You probably don't even hear what I'm saying. You're not going to remember this ever. (laughs) But I am. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He lived for you. He died for you. And one day he's coming back for you. At two days old, I was able to speak life over a baby girl. Now, what's the long-term benefit of that? I don't know. But what I do know is this. She didn't hear, stop crying! She didn't hear, I wish you would do something else. She didn't hear, I wish you wasn't you. She didn't hear, I wish you were a boy. What she did hear was love and the Lord. Can you imagine what your friendships would be like if our words went from complaining in what we were against to loving in what we are for? Can you imagine what the church would look like if the reputation of the church were to change instead of what we are against to what we are for? Can you imagine what your life would look like if people, friends, mom, dad, spouse, neighbor, come into your life and to start speaking love and hope and the Lord and forgiveness and love in your life? Remember the three things that we, the three questions we asked to determine what was the most important thing, what we spend our time thinking about, what we spend our money on, what we spend our time doing. We can add number four, what we spend our time talking about. Whatever's here comes out here. If there's bitterness here, bitterness comes out here. If there's love here, love comes out here. If the Lord is here, the Lord's going to come out here. We worship through prayer. We worship through our words. And finally, number three, we worship through music, through singing. This is my strong suit, y'all. This is why I was put on this earth. Is to sing some songs to myself in the car with nobody listening. You ever wonder why the uh, why we sing in church? You ever wonder like why music is a part of of what we do on Sundays? Why it's a big part of what we do on Sundays? I'll give you some reasons, and then I'll tell you why they're not the main reason. Number one, uh, singing together brings unity. In the church, 
Um, we're different people. We look different. We've been different places. We act different. Some of us have different skin tones. Some of us come from different backgrounds. But singing one song with one heart to one God brings unity in the church. But that's not why we sing. Singing clears your mind. Singing changes your heart, changes your thoughts, changes your focus. Maybe you've come in here with a burden, with worry and stress, and through singing songs for Jesus and to Jesus, your mind has changed, your focus has shifted. But that's not why we sing on Sundays. Singing is a way to serve God. That's not why we sing on Sunday. Singing is a way to give back to God for the talent that He's given us. Some of us have a lot. Some of you don't have much. But some of us have a lot. That's a joke. Laugh at my joke. I don't have a lot. I have none. And I'm well aware. And I love it so much. But that's not why we sing. Can I tell you the two reasons why we sing on Sundays? Number one, because He's worthy. That's it. Because He's worthy. Remember, we're singing about and singing to the one that can change our life. We're singing about and singing to the one that can forgive and heal and lead and guide. We're singing about and singing to the one that came, lived, died, and resurrected for you. Jesus is worthy of our words. He's worthy of us singing. He's worthy of us clapping and shouting and raising our hands. And it's, I went to a church for years where there was a lovely lady who she liked to worship by running around the sanctuary, which is fine. Y'all know who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about, which was fine. However, can I share this? My very first Sunday in this church, this lovely lady was sitting two rows behind me. She let us shout, and I thought a train was coming through the sanctuary. And the next thing I know, she took off around the back. She would go out the back door, come down the hallway. Remember the door over there at the stage? She would go down the hallway, bust through that door, and make a couple laps. I loved it. I loved it. It was a little odd the first time I saw it. As an 18-year-old non-believer who really didn't have a clue what was going on, it was like, what is this lady doing? But then, as the Lord changed my life and I got to know this lovely lady, it was great. I loved it. He's worthy of all of that. He's worthy of our songs. And the second reason we sing is because we are thankful. He's worthy and we're thankful. Paul says this in Colossians 3. Put it up there, Trent. Paul says, Colossians 3, verse 17, let there, 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Stop. If the word of Christ is richly dwelling in you, that's a kingdom life. Amen? That's a salvation life. That's a life that's been changed. You see it? All right, keep reading. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with what? In your 
hearts to God. Verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Paul is simply saying this. Whatever you speak, let it be words of thankfulness. When the word dwells in you, when the word has changed you, when the word has saved you, when the word has given you that new nature that Peter talks about, When that happens, you understand that He's worthy and we're thankful. Because without Him, we can't do it on our own. You and I can't save ourselves today. Our blood doesn't do anything for heaven. But His does. Today, I hope you know that you can't, but He can Amen. Amen. That's why we pray. That's why we share the gospel. And that's why we speak words and why we sing to the Lord. Because he can and you and I, hopefully today, are thankful. Amen. Amen. There's a uh, encounter that Jesus has with uh, a le- young lady in Luke chapter 7. I'm not going to read it. I'll just tell you real quickly. She's a prostitute. It's the wonderful story of Jesus being at the tax collector's house, being at the, Fer- or being at the Pharisee's house, excuse me. And the, the lady come to him. That's when she busted the uh, perfume bottle and poured it on his feet, dried her hair, dried his feet with her hair and was kissing his feet. You know the story? It's in Luke 7. Read it this afternoon if you don't know it. It's wonderful. One of the, the people that were there, one of the tax collectors that were there, said, asked Jesus, said, wait a minute. His name was Simon. Simon said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He said, you know how much money she just wasted? He could have done a lot with that money for that perfume. And Jesus told him a story. He said, if you got a guy, you got two guys that owes money, let's just say one of them owes $10, one of them owes 10000 Both of them were forgiven of their debts. Jesus said, which one do you think would be more thankful? And Simon said, probably the one that owed 10000 Jesus said, you're correct. And then Jesus says, those who are forgiven much, love much. Those who are forgiven much, are thankful much. Those who are forgiven much, worship much. I hope you know today that what Jesus Christ did for you, you can't get anywhere else. The life-changing love, the life-changing salvation, the life-changing forgiveness can't be found, bought, or discovered anywhere else except through Jesus Christ. And I hope today that you know that He's worthy of your worship, He's worthy of your prayers, He's worthy of your words, He's worthy of you singing, and I hope today that you are thankful for what he has done. Because if you're like me, you've been forgiven much. Much. You've said things, done things, been places, thought things. But you would be embarrassed for anybody to know. Much like me, we've been forgiven. 
It's been washed. It's been cleansed. The word says it's been separated as far as the east is from the west. That's not us. We've been given a new nature. We've been given a new heart. We've been given power in Jesus. If you need a reason to be thankful today, be thankful for salvation. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's pray together. As we sing, as we worship, can I challenge you to do it with a thankful heart? To do it with the cross in mind? To do it with forgiveness in mind? To do it with Jesus in mind? To do it with salvation in mind? To do it with a thankful heart? We worship through music because He's worthy and we're thankful. Amen.